This is the Breaking Down Incident Response Podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Betcher. And I am Michael Goff. Welcome to episode four. Let's start with a show summary. We have guests and a sponsor. Those two are kind of related. We're going to go over some newsworthy items, some interesting recent happenings in InfoSec. We don't have any malware of the month this month that we thought was worthy, so we'll slide uh, some research we have going on right now to next month. Site-worthy items you may want to check out on the internet for your own learning, and uh, we'll talk about a couple of tool-worthies, and then we'll conclude with the topic of the day. Let's go ahead and introduce our sponsor of the show, Humio. This podcast is brought to you by Humio, a high-performance log management and analysis tool delivering real-time performance for system monitoring and investigation. By allowing users to ingest huge amounts of data on a single node for ad hoc queries and search without doing any indexing, Humio enables its users to monitor a system for errors, user volumes, transactions, registrations, or search on multiple parameters. Humio is available in both on-premise and cloud versions. Start a free trial of Humio today at humio.com. That is H-U-M-I-O dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by LogMD, the log and malicious discovery tool for Windows-based systems for IT, InfoSec, IR, and forensics professionals. It helps you assess your audit log settings against several industry standards, including the Windows Logging Cheat Sheet, so you can improve your logging to collect all the right things. LogMD can also be used to hunt for targeted, malicious, and interesting artifacts such as large registry keys, autoruns, WMI persistence, malicious PowerShell execution, and targeted log events that can then be collected by your log management solution. LogMD provides more details and easy-to-read reports than your EDR solutions can provide. We offer free, professional, and consulting licenses. Discover it. Discover LogMD today at log-md.com. So let's go ahead and introduce our guests. We have two. Um, Peter Hine is the first one, is a sales manager, EMEA, EMA. And for those U.S. Americans, that's the uh, European area. And Creston Krabs, uh, CTO of Humio. So these guys are from Humio. We're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor, which is Humio. And some logging. We're going to talk about some cloud logging and on-prem logging, some pros, cons, advantages, and then dig into uh, Humio. So uh, welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. Let's get on to the next topic. Newsworthy. For our first newsworthy item, the FBI asks everyone to reboot their routers if they have a certain router because of a bot. The interesting takeaway from this, I thought, is uh, when I teach classes on doing incident response and cleaning up or remediating a system if you're not just re-imaging it, is pulling the power is often a really good way to unhook malware that might be memory resident only, right? If you're investigating something and you just don't find anything, you think something suspicious, yank the power. Now, in a server environment, that means uh, properly shutting down a application, database, mail, whatever it is that the server's running, and then from your, your management console, your ILO or whatnot, you would basically at that point unplug the box and this way you flush any in-memory only that might do a write-down on shutdown and back to disk. We've seen that with Drydex in the past where pulling the power is a great way to clean a box. So this would be a, a similar scenario when, when somebody like the FBI you know, makes a reference. I immediately captured this and went, hey, 
this is pull the power. So on your routers, you might just pull the power on them. And this might be good hygiene in general, like uh, NAS devices. I might be running this OS as well. And, you know, if you ever wonder if something's fishy there, your IoT devices, you know, go yank the power. Uh, don't go through the reboot cycle where it properly shuts down and whatnot. A lot of these things have built-in uh, protections from corruption and all that. So pull the power, good hygiene on all these devices that are kind of appliance-based. And this could probably take care of uh, a lot of these little weird malwares that we see. And that's kind of the takeaway from, from this. And, of course, uh, FBI says, you know, reboot all your uh, funny routers. This would be the case where malware doesn't persist on disk, you know, all the time, right? Now, in order to survive a reboot, it would have to write to disk at some point. And this would prevent the writing on disk part, right, when you do a proper shutdown. I mean, keep in mind, right, if if you delete, well, if you delete the file, and let's say the malware is smart enough to look for the fact you found the file and deleted the file because you didn't lock it or something, and then you thought you cleaned it because you got rid of the files they deleted, right? We've come across malware where the files are locked and we can't delete them. we got to go through the unlocking process, kill Explorer or whatnot. But what if there was something intelligent that monitored the file's existence and you think you cleaned it by deleting it? The only way you'd really be sure, right, is yank the power. Because then if you go to reboot the box, it might have a shutdown sequence that repopulates the file that you deleted. So that's kind of an example of why it's good to yank the power. All right. Our next topic. Okay. We've got a couple of sites to recommend. One is the malwarearchaeology.com cheat sheets. Yeah, the Windows logging cheat sheet, right? Series of cheat sheets, file auditing and registry auditing and PowerShell cheat sheets are definitely a key here. We're going to be talking about logging and understand that the cheat sheets are where you start to enable or what to enable in the Windows environment. So they're a great resource for a topic about logging. And so go check them out at malwarearchaeology.com slash cheat dash sheets. The next item is the from BDR is the Windows 10 and Windows Server 2016 Security Auditing and Monitoring Reference Document. It's actually a Word doc from Microsoft. There's a long URL. You'll see those in the show notes. And uh, download this thing. It is an intense, long document of all the event IDs, what they mean, and uh, what, what their context is. So it's a great reference. The Word doc's not online. And so, you know, copy, paste, put this in your wiki or whatever. But uh, holy moly, if you want to know every Windows ID, event ID there is, uh, this document is it. Wow. And our third site-worthy item is humio.com. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, Humio today with our guests. And if you haven't heard of it, they're fairly new to the cloud-based and on-prem logging solutions. But uh, check them out. We'll talk more about them in the course of the, of the podcast. Next topic. Tool. All right. First tool is LogMD. Yeah, we might be a little, little biased here. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. I mean, uh, LogMD has a lot of features, and one of them is to audit your logs to see where your logging compares to industry standards, like the CIS benchmarks. Right, and the Aussie cyber standards and the USGCB. So you can measure your box, figure out where you are, in your in your logging compliance and of course compare it also to the windows logging sheet sheet which will exceed all of those others uh standards they're a bit behind in my opinion about five years i did tweet that recently and, and cis did respond to my tweet saying you're more than welcome to volunteer again <laughs> what did you um, say uh i really haven't said anything to him <laughs> <laughs> I, t I i did i did the work when i was at hp uh had some success it was it was pretty difficult on the windows side i was just trying to get 
the Windows cheat sheets or the Windows <laughs> benchmark rearranged in order to match the hierarchy of group policy. So that way, as you went through the benchmark, it would match the line item for line item to the uh, Active Directory in the same order that Active Directory is in. Uh, it, it tends to jump around, which makes it prone to mistakes. That was kind of a challenge I had. I didn't get anywhere with it. So once I left HP, that uh, kind of died. So all you were doing was trying to change the order that they presented the data? Yes. Okay. I did have some success with the HPUX benchmarks, and we did we did some reorganization to match the other benchmarks there, and, and we did work on the tool and got some improvements to their uh, measuring tool that has significantly changed as well. But CIS does some good work. They've, you know, they are the place to go when anybody says, hey, I need a I need a logging benchmark for, you know, SQL Server. And of course, that's where you would go. Right. I've used that before for Oracle uh, standards. Um, okay. So next is the Sysmon service. Microsoft offers this. They bought Mark Racinovich's company, Sysinternals, and they have a free service called Sysmon. If you're not familiar with this, this is a, a great tool for IR people investigators. Some people run this uh, all the time in their systems. Uh, we'll have to have a podcast on that. I, I definitely question and, and be careful there. There's there's some gotchas with relying too much on Sysmon. So, uh, but it's a great tool to add additional information to your system. Uh, LogMD can do that as well, but we'll talk about that in another podcast as well. But Sysmon, uh, it's a service and it can collect things like DLLs that are loaded, something Windows does not log uh, natively, even if you enable everything you can. You get file hash, you get the hashes of files that are launched and or processes that are executed. Uh, that's something Windows does not provide either. There's some WMI logging in the case that you update the WMI database. File auditing, registry auditing item options now that have been added to version 6. Uh, there's name pipes options. So there's a lot of additional things you can do. And uh, take a look at this. I generally, there's lots of, of configurations out there. Swift on Security's got a very extensive long one as a, as a baseline. Uh, though I'm, I'm cautious, be careful when using this tool to collect everything. I really tell people, use it to supplement what you're already getting at the Windows logs because the Sysmon service can be messed with. You can reload the config and bork it. You can change the settings and registry because that's not being watched by Sysmon. And pen testers know this as well as red teamers will know this. And so be careful to rely too heavily on it, but it has some great additional details and can provide you some very valuable stuff, uh, driver loads, which something Windows does not load, does not log very well. And so it, it's really cool additional tool for those of us who want to do extensive logging, detail harvesting. And also in IR, we can innate, we can push us out everywhere. And that's kind of what I recommend people is get it out to all your systems. Uh, you can push the config, but, you know, again, there's some gotchas there because if the configs go in the default locations, the bad guys know what to look for. They read your config. They know exactly what you're logging, and then they can attack you to avoid what you're what you're capturing. So uh, lots of stuff about Sysmon we should talk about in another podcast. But push it out, and then all you have to do in the course of an event, because it will generate a lot of events if it's not well-tuned. If it's not tuned at all, it'll generate a gajillion events. And then you push it out everywhere, and then if you have to turn it on as you need it, and, you know, you can reboot the system and then it will collect the malware and, and stuff that's occurring as the systems are booting the details that that uh, Sysmon's known for. And uh, it's a good use for that scenario for post-investigations. And that is a free add-on from Microsoft. You can download it. The link is in the show notes. It is free. Uh, we've asked our guests to uh, recommend a tool. And, um, and as we suspected, they're a little biased as well. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> What tool would you guys recommend? Well, we have uh, a log collection and analytics tool. 
that uh, goes perfect with Windows locks. Uh, it's called Humio. Yeah, surprise! Why did I? Why did I not know you're gonna, <laughs> you're going to use that tool? So yeah, we're going to talk a bit about uh, cloud logging and on-prem as well solutions, and then we're going to get into interviewing Humio. We'll describe how we got here, and and uh, that was an interesting scenario based on the Slack channel. So. Uh, kind of cool in that aspect. So now on to our topic of the day. Yeah, cloud logging. I've been looking for several years now. Generally, there are you build your own server and you put a logging solution on it and you you maintain it within your organization. And unfortunately, in an IR case, you don't have time for that if if somebody doesn't have a logging solution. So the idea of cloud logging is really appealing to organizations, maybe even SMBs more so than enterprise, maybe. Uh, big enterprises of 10,000 plus, but you know, who knows? There's, there's a definite uh, benefit to them as well. No maintenance of the hardware. But if you built this uh, logging solution in the cloud, there's a big advantage because now the only thing you're managing at your location is the agents that you put on all your devices to send those logs to the cloud. Uh, of course, we're going to make an assumption that the transmission between agent and cloud is secure. And so uh, obviously if it's not, then, you know, that that's a challenge. But that provides a lot of flexibility for an organization. From an IR perspective, it provides an incredible amount of flexibility for somebody like us where he calls us and say, hey, I need some help. So imagine if I gave you LogMD, you ran it on audit mode, and you audited the systems, you know, your typical systems in your organization, your workstations and servers, you did, let's say, two or three of each, and then you send us those reports, we'll tell you what to fix. You go turn on those items, and then we provide you a, a logging agent. Uh, we turn up a cloud instance of a logging solution. That agent then has been configured to talk to that cloud instance, and we tell you to push that out to all the machines you think you're infected on and to reboot them. And then we start getting all that data that you enabled. We get all the data after the reboot. We get the data from the persistence of the malware and what it's executing on startup. And now we can start hunting immediately. This is kind of a similar model to a lot of the EDR solutions because they have you install an agent and all the infrastructures in the cloud, right? So it's a similar model. And so it's very flexible because I can very quickly within a day or even an hour or two, depending on, on how quickly uh, your team would configure the items we need to collect the right things, um, get your systems logging to a log solution and then able to remotely which means you know I don't have to fly right away. I don't have to boots on the ground. You don't have a two or three day delay. I can immediately start helping you with your problem. And uh, then after we're all done, if you want to keep the solution, great, continue paying for it. If not, it can be turned down. Uh, but there's a lot of flexibility with cloud logging. And I think there's a, there's a great opportunity for a lot of SMBs or people who would like help from us to clean up an infection or two or three or 10. I think I was asked one time in a company about 300 systems. They thought they had 100 infected systems. Where it would have been awesome if I could have given them an agent and say, here, load this and get it running on all the systems you think are infected, configure the logging properly, reboot it, and then I'll take a look. And you know, the amount of money I could charge you is a lot less than if I had to fly and drive to all the locations and do all that. And then it's just a matter of, of either getting remote access to remediate or telling you just power these systems off and re-image them. Um, but there's, there's so much potential to cloud logging. And I really like it. And then, of course, people say, well, I can't put my, my secret data into the cloud. Now, logs don't or should not have any PII for the most part. If you find you have it, then you should fix your app not to do that, etc. But for those who don't want to do cloud logging, then having an option for on-prem is awesome as well. 
And you know, that's where Humio steps up. And we came across them initially through the Slack channel. Someone said, hey, we heard about this new solution. And I'm, I've, I've tried so many. I don't even want to go through the list of how many I tried. And uh, I liked Humio so much that the solution I was using to monitor all my things personally, I have converted over to Humio. So uh, for those who know me, I'm pretty critical about logging solutions and how easy they are to set up or how easy they are to use or lack thereof that uh, Humio really, really caught my eye. And so um, that's how I found out about them and, uh, and thus started this conversation with them. And now here we are talking about the subject of, of cloud logging. There was um, an interesting article uh, that we came across too. Uh, Modern log management flexibility is the X factor, right? And that's that's kind of the the key here. And we'll we'll talk with the the Humio folks, Creston and uh, Peter, about this. But yeah, your your logging solution should be flexible. I, I know I've heard a lot of complaints where certain logging solutions take a lot of management time. And I know from another article we saw that 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 was um, definitely a, a a warning to watch out for is too much maintenance. Uh, and I know somebody who ran a managed service provider very specific said that they spent more time maintaining their solution than doing security or hunting or detection. And so they were going back to another solution because of that. And, and that is a big gotcha. So flexibility is, is key to have uh, the option of doing one or both. In this case, you could do cloud and you could do on-prem depending on what your, your needs are. That's, that's the gist of, of our cloud logging scenario. What do you think about it? Good thing, Brian, bad thing. I think it's good. If you have that option, like we, we uh, went through the scenario in our head. Like if you, if you were a independent contractor, let's say on IR and you got a call and they had no centralized logging solution, what do you do in that case? There's, there's not much you can, yeah. other than either drive to those locations yourself or try and interface with the IT department over the phone and, and over you know, Zoom or whatever and, and try and get them to install all the right things and get you, a, I don't know, a jump host that's ingesting all these logs and try and go through them. There's something to be said about having all this data in one, say, pane of glass, if you will, and, and be able to do queries on the entire organization or whatever you define as the scope of this particular infection. Yeah. You know, a lot easier if all I have to do is tell you, install this agent. I mean, it's, it's simple, right? You're just basically installing a service that runs that will monitor the logs, keep track of where they are in, in the collection of those logs. And so, yeah, there's there's a real option where you don't have centralized logging. You don't want to set up the Windows event forwarding, the WEF stuff. You don't want to build that server. You don't want to maintain that server. You don't want to, you know, parse through it manually, right? You need a tool that allows you to create queries, which then can be turned into alerts that can warn you to things. And you want to be able to do some real quick ad hoc searching and or hunting from an IR perspective. And and we could do a lot. If if we, you know, if a client said, I need help, and, and we had this configuration available to them, we could push it out to them and say, here, load this. And in addition to that, you can, you can turn it up. You can log as much as you need to, or can pay for. Right. And whereas if an on-prem solution, right. there's, there could be a limit of storage where you'd run into, or a limit of right. How many days you can, you can log. So if you put an agent on and, and you do have the proper logging from the get-go and you want to load, let's say 14 days worth of data, you may not be able to. Right. You may be limited by how much disk you've allocated to the system. Right. And storage solutions that sometimes big enterprises have will definitely run out. you got to order those special drives and all that stuff and go through change management. And so, yeah, it's a little more difficult. So there's a lot of flexibility in regards to cloud logging, which I really like. 
So I want to go back to how we kind of discovered Humio. I mean, they didn't come to us. We went to them and and you mentioned that that somebody suggested that to you on breaking down security Slack channel and uh, you switched your personal logging to them. Remember, we did a EDR eval and, and you had very high standards for all the, I think it was 16 different solutions. And, and there was only one that caught all the things that you, you threw at it, which was, which was really surprising. And yeah, in, in, it was. <laughs> our standards are pretty high because we need to not only be able to detect these things, but it, it turns out the, the one that did detect them all, I actually prevented them from communicating as well. So if there were the potential for a breach, that communication didn't happen. It, it, was, it was very surprising that only one met the bar. And in, and in this case with logging, I think we met, I think for the first time, what, four, four years ago, five years ago, you had been looking for, say, an alternative to the industry leader, which sets a high bar when it comes to financing, that um, there really wasn't <laughs> one on the market that, that actually met all the things that you wanted it to. And, and, and it was for different reasons, whether the technology just wasn't there or the, the price just wasn't there or, or it just wasn't easy to use or, or the company, maybe they had a bug or something that wasn't working right or you had a feature request, they just weren't responsive. Can you talk a little bit about that? I guess I compare everything to you know this industry leader, not in regards to all their capabilities, but I think more importantly, uh, and being a con former consultant with HP and other consultancies, installation and configuration and maintenance is kind of a key thing to a tool being successful in your organization. I, I think from a study made in Ponymon or one of those a while back, a couple talks have, have mentioned this in the past, that only about interview they did with a thousand people or whatever it was. Don't remember the numbers exactly, but basically the average company is only about 50% satisfied with their tools. One of which I can tell you for sure is going to be maintenance or use of that tool. I think number one, people don't do enough actual proof of concepts or testing of the tools to really see what they did. Like we went through with the EDR stuff. It was very apparent the usability of it, of these EDR solutions and logging solutions very greatly. Because what they were designed for may not necessarily be what we're using them for from a security perspective, right? So the ability to easily install them, maintain them, and use them is key. And so a lot of the logging solutions, when I looked at them, were specific to, you know, hey, how quickly can I train somebody on this? You know, is, is the query language robust enough? You know, it must have the ability of creating an alert and emailing that because that's key, right? After hours, we get alerts on our phone and we have to be able to read those and react to those and decide if we have to power up the laptop because we're IR folks, we're 24 by seven for the most part. So as I looked at these, I looked at their ability to collect not just the core Windows logs, which surprising about only half of them went past the core Windows logs and that would be system application and security. They had, because they wrote their own agent, they had no way to consume other Windows logs, which just blew my mind. You know, that that's that's a challenge right there in your logging solution. But again, it was probably designed more for applications and it just happened to bleed over into this space and they really weren't prepared for it, right? So they're more focused at the Unix, Linux kind of application space. The other was some of the query languages were really limited. Uh, some of them didn't have email alerting easily, uh, didn't have, you know, the typical dashboard report alert kind of mentality like, like most of the log management had. So just, you know, ease of use killed a lot of them. 
Uh, obviously, the price, the big key here is I want everybody to play with logging so they're somewhat familiar with it, whether you're an IT resource listening to this podcast, uh, InfoSec, a student, uh, or even the management side. Being able to take what you have at home, send it up to a cloud solution, let's say, in this case, or you know, roll your own and, and play with it at home if you have a lab. I know some folks who are IT people that have labs and, and do this at home is you should at least be familiar with what logging can provide you in the Windows and or Mac space, whatever you're running at home, and and to have a solution to feed that to in which I was looking for and been looking for and uh, used a solution for several years. And then Humio has now won my heart and I, I moved all my stuff there. But the usability of it was shocking. Some of the solutions are so bad at usability, but it, it's, it's remember, it's InfoSec IR, right? usability not necessarily an application people an application guy may love it but from a security perspective you know they, they weren't so well liked and, and so i've really struggled with how hard it's been to set some of these up you literally have to hack them to get them running uh, how hard they are to use and you know when it's when it's time to finally investigate something this stuff should just right, work. stop there okay talk about what kind of technical challenges you had well, i mean what did they not do from a query standpoint that, that they should have done? Well, uh, some of the solutions were hard-coded. Their queries and their dashboards were hard-coded, which means if I wanted to add a query, I couldn't, right? Because that was just something they built into their solution. I'm like, wait a minute, but you're not looking for this combination of things. Oh, we'd have to hard-code that. We don't have a, a open query language in the dashboard or whatever. You can go to the command line and manually look at it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, that's that's not going to work for me, right? It it has to be free flowing because you know we're IR people. We hunt for things. Um, you know, log solutions in general have a lot of data, and you have to go ask that questions. Well, once you've asked that questions, can I save those questions so they can be easily executed again? We call those we call those reports or or queries. And so that was that was key. I think more than anything is is that you know it has to just work. And, and some of these didn't didn't work so well on being able to modify them. Yeah, and security tools in general, we set a pretty high bar. They have to do what they're purpose for very well, one. And number two, they have to be easy to use, both in the learning and in the doing, right? So I think um, the industry leader fits that bill, right? The only the only downside is it, yeah. it's pretty expensive and, and most companies yeah. have a hard time uh, getting the funding to fully implement that. And when I, when I say fully implement, that is in a lot of organizations that use it, the security team is hindered by, oh, we're going to hit our license limit. You can't do that. Right. So, so that, that's correct. A, that's a high bar to, to, um, yeah. If, if you're not collecting the right things in your log management solution, it's, you're going to be, you're going to be crippled or hampered. You know, I know John Strands mentioned in the past, and I've challenged him, I think, at the last DerbyCon I was at. And I said, you know, when, every time you mention this, and he does normally say this whole thing, but every now and then he blurts out on a podcast, you know, the, the, the logging vendors just want you to log all the things. And he forgets to say, you know, you have to start doing that in order to tune to collect the right things, and then you spread that configuration out to everybody, and, and you're winning. So you do have to collect the right things. You do have to have several systems in there, meaning your workstations are going to take a chunk of license. Your servers are definitely going to take a chunk of license because, you know, login, login servers like DC domain controllers and whatnot are going to generate a whole lot of traffic. And, and then you have to tune that so you can chop down. Now, in my personal scenario, 
I, I would say I'm at 25% of the total logs that we tell you to turn on with LogMD, uh, with the Windows cheat sheets, right? We say, hey, enable all these things. But we've, you know, we recommend tuning all the time, and I've tuned out 75% of the noise. And now what I collect is very useful. But in an enterprise environment, you have to collect DHCP, uh, which isn't too noisy if you just, you know, look for for assigns, which is where the IP is issued and not all the renews and failed DNS stuff and everything else that's in DHCP logs. And you collect that. Now, when you get an alert from your IPS, you have an IP address. The DHCP will give you a system name and the MAC address, which means you potentially could ask the network guys to block that MAC address so it can't go out. If you think it's, you know, definitely sending data, you got the system name, so hopefully that helps you identify the user. You can then look in the the domain logs or your login scenarios to find that system name and who the actual username is, right? So all those things have to be in your log management solution for you to correlate this information. And then the firewall log should be in there, right? Because then you can see what other systems were talking to that bad IP you discovered. And so collecting all these bits and parts. So when you have a very expensive license that you cannot expand easily because you're, you know, it's so expensive, then you don't collect parts of these piece, these puzzle. And so you have only part of the puzzle. You don't have the whole thing that really works well for you. And it really hampers uh, IR uh, efforts significantly. And though the enterprises, obviously huge enterprises can afford this stuff, we're talking about everybody else. And, and this podcast is about everybody. We want to make sure that the intro people have a solution they can practice on. We, we want SMBs to have a solution. Heck, Brian and I want a solution that we can help you clean up an environment with if you get infected. So in a related with. thing there, maybe I can chime in. This is Kristen. On on the volume of data, it's also often in when there's an incident, you'll see the volume spike uh, dramatically. So there's, uh, there's often, uh, you know, sometimes these incidents go under the radar and they don't change the volume, but sometimes like a DDoS or something, lots of servers rolling over, falling up. You have so many errors, error logs, or or network traffic logs, or whatnot that you uh, that you can't deal with it, and and that's another case where um, like we've experienced in the back. This was in an application space, basically where we were shut off from our uh, logging solution because we overran our limits. Um, <clears throat> so that's something you really want to avoid. You want to be set up to be able to deal with those spikes that. Have, can happen in incident. Yeah, in the case of that large vendor, you do it three times in a month, and yeah, you're toast. So uh, a challenge there for sure, and and that's an important point, right? Uh, what happens when I have these spikes? Does does the system negatively react to you? And the answer should be no, because you know life life is is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get on any given day, and you know, all of a sudden, uh, you you know, turn up Sysmon on a hundred machines because you want to see what's going on, or you run LogMD and you collect the LogMD stuff. You're going to have these spikes. Not to mention what the malware and or the bad actors are doing. Not to mention what your firewall logs might look like as stuff's trying to infiltrate, or they're just pounding your web servers, right? And you're trying to discover that. So you know, Kristen, that's a that's a really good point. What does your logging solution do when you hit the typical cap? Do you get throttled? Do you get stopped altogether, etc.? Or does it drop? Start dropping events. Oh, that would uh, be a bad thing, guys. Peter and, and and Kristen, let's let's talk a little bit about the Homeo's background. I mean, how did you come to be, and and all that? Actually, we come from the um, from application space where we're a spin-off of a consulting shop uh, with about five hundred people doing all kinds of bespoke software, mostly across Europe. 
So you can imagine we're doing all kinds of smaller, medium, or relatively large projects for customers. And about 10, 15 years ago, uh, we started using some log solutions and we could, it's quite obvious once you start using it, um, that having logs centralized provides a way to, to say, feel the pulse of the system, feel how it's doing, get an, get an idea of uh, what's what's normal? If you pull some data out of your logs and graph, say simple things like how many errors do we see, or uh, where do they come from, and you know, do some simple, even the most basic uh, charts like that uh, will give you an idea on an everyday basis uh, of what's normal. And then that's a very good good way to then uh, see immediately that something is off. Um, and given given that insight, of course. Uh, having the logs at high fidelity lets you uh, dig into what happened, like and like in an incident response, right? Um, it's exactly the same as uh, as in security in so many ways. So we we came from this application space, and I have to admit we actually kind of stumbled into the security space. Um, so the, our first really large customer in the security space did exactly this. That's a large healthcare enterprise. Um, they're pushing in. Windows logs um, from 30,000 desktop PCs. And also something like this, this thing you were talking about called Sysmon, they, they bought a solution called yes. um, Sexing Guard that does the same thing where you can see uh, like DLLs being loaded uh, and some additional stuff like you talked about. And then they're pulling in firewall logs and grow IDS uh, logs, which is this packet inspection stuff. Uh, so, they started using this for that. And so that was actually our introduction to the security space. But uh, you know, there's many parallels between application logging and security logging. You have high volume of it. It tends to, to rise as your IT solutions grow. You want high fidelity so that you can dig into what happened. And often it has this nature where it changes. So point solutions that you know, know exactly what to look for, often they, they have a hard time following along as you know in your case in security space threats evolve or develop uh, quickly so you need to be able to to have the flexibility of being able to write your own queries essentially it's great as a tool to just understand what's going on in your system the system being your network or the system being your application your complex application that you're running yeah so that's we, we came from this application space and we've seen the application space uh, grow in complexity you know we've gone from uh, 20 years ago, uh, server-side application was something running on one server. Right? It was a client server times. And, and now a server-side application is something that has you know, many nodes, uh, that uses services from third parties, and it's a, it's a complex setup. And that means it's really difficult to, um, to get a good picture of what's going on. Um, so gathering logs is a, is a relatively easy way to, to get that uh, picture if you can drive some data out of it because the locks are already there. And that's the same, again, with the security. You can often generate the locks or find the locks. Or and this is a space also where there's new logging, new security logging tools coming out that, that generate new and interesting locks. Yeah, like WLS is another uh, agent you can use. So it's very, very powerful. Sysmon on steroids, I call it. Now for the show notes so we can capture it, uh, what was that uh, agent that the healthcare industry used? Um, that's called um, Sexing Guard. 
section guard from a company called NetSection. NetSection. All right, we'll add that to the show notes so people, uh, they're always asking us about this sort of thing. So we want to make sure we capture Yeah, that. so that's a commercial offering that kind of sounds like this Sysmon thing. Yeah. I don't, I, see, I'm not the security expert at all, but I can get you some more info on it if you want. Yeah, we'll, we'll get those in the show notes so people can look it up and get more info. Well, what you are an expert in is is uh, your particular log solution. Now, you're, it uses no indexes. How does how does that work? Well, that, it's sort of a catchphrase, right? Because it does have a time index, but uh, for the data stored on disk. But the, the the key thing is actually you set up all your alerts and your dashboarding to process the data on the way in before you start even stored on disk. So all that is captured and computed. The information that goes into alerts, information goes into like live queries, dashboards, those kinds of things. We just compute them um, as data flows in. And then what's on disk is a much simpler structure, which is essentially a sort of simple time series database where every record in our database is a timestamp and some text. So that simplifies the solution quite a bit. In many ways, it makes it easier to implement for us, makes it operationally easier. There are fewer things that go, that go wrong. And it means that um, overall, we use much less uh, both CPU and disk space. Uh, so you can run a much larger logging scale at less hardware if you, uh, if you host it yourself. Seems like the queries would be slower, though, if you only have a time index. How, do you, how does that sped up, or, or what would you do? Well, basically, there's two kinds of queries, right? There are queries that you want live, and by very nature of something live, you must, if it's something that's live, you want to monitor it, or you want to put it on the dashboard on the screen or whatever, then somebody has decided this is interesting. Of uh, querying is actually super fast. It's like much, much faster than, than the other providers because they basically store all the data in the database. And then every time you have to update a dashboard or check an alert, you run a query against the database and you go search through indexes, etc. Whereas we just do that in memory. So that's very fast. Then if you need to go back and so in, in an incident response case, right, where you have to go back and see, so what happened yesterday? There, it might be a little slower, but that, uh, but that's from a logical uh, point of view uh, that it's slower because what happens in, is typically in an incident response system, there are not that many people doing this at the same time. Right. So unlike a normal database, which is set up to have many people go ask queries of it, uh, that's kind of um, design thinking in a, in a database. should be really quick for looking things up. In an incident response database, the context is that there's typically just one or two users that are interactively looking data up in this database. And you can imagine that's a very different um, precondition from having a database that adds uh, functionality to a live uh, web system that thousands of people use on a continuing basis. Uh, that's a very different uh, yeah. context for building a database. So we build a database that's, that's very good when few users use it at the same time. So it can actually, so if you set up a cluster, it's very easy to just use the entire capacity. One user can use the entire capacity of a cluster. Um, and that's how we get really good performance on our cloud solution is we have a large cluster. Uh, and every time you ask something for a tiny slice of time, that single user gets basically all the compute power of a cluster. And that's, uh, 
that, that works well in the case where we're, our customers are incident responders who go and ask these questions because they don't sit and ask those questions all the time. There's, it, these are interactive users that are relatively few. The whole setup is very different from a traditional database. Let's give some reference here. Uh, in, uh, again, a, a large vendor solution, I am the largest consumer meaning I exceed what everybody else does combined. Uh, and that's not the first place I've been where that's occurred, that InfoSec generally with all the alerts and reports and the storage that you know we're trying to set up for doing security, that we are the number one consumers by far of the log management solution. That includes the people using it for applications because they generally spike using it, right? They, they use it when they need it, when something's going wrong or something indicates... The, the network guys, same thing. They use it when they need it. And so this stuff's collecting all the time. But InfoSec, when you properly use log management, right, my top 10 list of tools, number one, log management. Number two, a tool that you can query the system. You know, hey, do you have this file in this location, whatever that resolves to. Number three, LogMD. And four through 10 are blank. Log management is, is so incredibly powerful for the security, uh, information security people. And we end up being the largest consumer. Uh, in some cases, some organizations build their own instance of logging just for their security solutions because of the sheer volume involved with you know sucking in firewall logs and security appliances and security tools and endpoint logs and you know, all that stuff that you want to monitor. And so, yeah, th there's a reference. If you get into logging well, there's a good chance you're going to be the number one consumer as an information security person, once you start creating these alerts and reports uh, for yourself and, you know, to monitor all these systems, especially if you have all the workstations in there as well and you're monitoring uh, in user space. So having that power in an incident, I can tell you from experience when, you know, you're asking for now a week's worth of data, not just the last hour, but last day, but suddenly start asking for a week that, you know, Generally, you are the number one user of that solution. So uh, if it's quick and available to you, I know other solutions tend to slow down a lot when you do that. So that would be a, a very powerful thing. One thing that, that drew us to Humio was that it's free, right? For personal use. How long does that last? Well, that, um, that would go on forever, but there's only a very, there's some limitations, of course, to the free edition that, um, that you can see on our website. The free edition only lets you um, store relatively little data and only for relatively short time. Now that depends on, of course, your, your volume. The main limitation on the free is that it only allows one user. I can uh, answer that. So this is where I want everybody listening to the show. Uh, if you've always wondered, you know, and, and people consistently ask me, what logging solution can I use at home? Uh, this is definitely one everybody can use here. Now, to give you an example, I have a desktop, wife has a desktop, I have three laptops, all of them feeding Humio with tuned, now, uh, Humio, by the way, uses the same thing Elastic, any of the Elk solutions use, and that's the WinLogBeat agent, which uses a WinLogBeat YAML file, which is the configuration file for uh, setting and, and filtering, right? So I have created a WinLogBeat YAML file, and I have filtered out what I consider to be normal noise from my environment. You know, examples are, I don't need to see my workstation talking to the printers. And that happens a lot here, right? Um, I don't need to see certain things I know that Windows does, whether it's 7 or 10, that are incredibly noisy that just eat up a lot of stuff. I don't need to see, for example, my agent, my logging agent collecting. And so as I filter those out in WinLogBeat, I can get five systems in my, and again, it only holds it for a week, I believe, 
but I can get five systems into Humio with my tuned WinLog B YAML file, which by the way is on Malware Archaeology. Um, there's an example there for you to, to build off of that uh, I can get all that within your free solution and, and be able to really use this at home and, and be familiar with it. And that's a key point I want all listeners to take away. You know, I, I know some of us have 20 PCs in the house, but I think, you know, three laptops and, and two desktops is a lot. And actually, I have a Intel NUC also feeding into it, uh, running Server 2012. And I have no problem meeting that limitation. And so I would definitely encourage people after you tune, you put all five in there untuned, you're going you're gonna to run out for sure because it will exceed the one gig or two gig a day. Yeah, you should definitely play with this because it will run your little home environment and, and be able to give you that kind of monitoring at home so that you can work on your skills here and, and understand the value and then promote that into your, your business and, and expand from there, which is, I think, really key because this is kind of the perfect freemium model, right? You, you've, got a, you've got a use case where you can use this uh, at home with all of our IT people and, and InfoSec people. Even uh, we, we have a former manager that I'm sure will play with this at home. And he'll, he'll throw this on his, on his Mac or his desktop. And, and so now management can kind of understand, oh, okay, this, this is a good idea. And so, yeah, I think it's real powerful that you guys offer this free option for people. I, I think that's uh, a big win, which is one of the reasons we wanted to talk about that on the show. Yeah, that's, um, well, part of the reason why we could do that is it's, um, this, that Xiaomi is so efficient in terms of both storage and CPU that it doesn't cost us much to operate this. I believe it costs us something like 25 cents a year. Uh, we've computed that to uh, provide it. Well, there we thank you for helping the community, and we're we're hoping to to share that with this podcast with the community, so they can start using it more and uh, understand the value of, of what Humio can be for for those of us wanting to uh, investigate. So they they kind of have a training center for you. That's kind of yeah. what it comes down to for a very small amount of systems. But I can tell you, five systems, well tuned. Uh, you can you can use Humio's free, um, which is really nice, and get alerts, and even integrate it into Slack if you want to do that. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a really cool feature. All right. What about, let's talk about us being a SIM vendor, right? So security incident event management uh, is kind of a term, the industry term. If I had a beer, I'd probably have to drink one right now. And, you know, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, Peter can chime in here now that this is kind of getting in his space from him and I having conversations. Right. Obviously, you're not going to label yourself as a SIM vendor, but are you wanting to move there? Or are you moving I... there? I think, think? I think we so do we want to move there? Yes, in in a in, but in our own way. So what I mean by that is that people tend to think of Sims as, you know, one of you know up to up to a dozen different tools that we're all familiar with. <clears throat> some more expensive than others, but they've been many of them have been around. Most of them actually have been around for quite a long time. And so if we look at the way that Hemio is getting adopted by, for example, managed service providers that we're working with, and some directly with some end users as well what they what they like about it is they they're taking the functionality of the product so the flexibility the flexible query language the near real time performance so they're taking if you like a specific part of what uh, any sim contains and utilizing the flexibility the cost and the performance to meet their specific needs what then you, we look at when we, for example, uh, working with the the, uh, the the customer that Creston mentioned earlier in Denmark, 
when you look at it, it looks a lot like what we all recognize as a sim. Okay. So I think we could say, this is a long-winded answer to the question, are we a sim? No. Are we going in that direction? Sort of what people would call next generation sim uh, environment? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's more and more, you know, as we develop different use cases or support different use, use cases rather with customers, um, you'll, you'll see Humeo underneath something that an implementation that looks a lot like a sim. If that answers your question. It does. Now, my perspective of it is, um, again, referencing one of those big guys where they have the concept of an application being added to it. Uh, I generally have taken a lot of these apps, and it's kind of, I think, commonplace for a lot of us users in this space, to install the app, see what it does, pull the goodness that we see the app do, and build it ourselves or make it ourselves in the security space anyway. Uh, because we're looking for a combination of things that are kind of unique to trigger off of, and that becomes our security uh, event scenario, right? Our, our trigger. Again, my number one tool is log management. So if I set up those alerts, it's yeah. really powerful. And to me, that is developing a log management solution into a, a seam. Now, I, I don't have ticketing and all that. You know, there's no event management. Uh, again, I'm going to use a ticketing solution or GRC solution to record uh, various things that are going on in, in its good aspect. But I can build it into what I need it to. I can add flexibility that some solutions don't have, meaning I'm locked into what they've yeah. hard-coded. And uh, I found this to be a, a significant challenge in the EDR space, for example. I, you know, I got what they have. And, and generally, I tell people, you know, a couple of these tools would be really cool. Just feed that data into your log management solution and build your old reports and queries and alerts from that. Because then you don't have to deal with the clunky console, which is a big problem for a lot of solutions. And and then suddenly you've got more power, more ability. Um, and the less you're in consoles, the less training you have to do for people. And, and the rarely they go into it. So I can go into one console. That's what we do with yeah. antivirus, exactly. right? We we feed the logs from the end. We don't go into the console of the antivirus. Yep. We feed it into log management and get our alerts from that. Yeah, we do that with our, our IDS stuff too. We don't have to, uh, we, we often get alerts of the user because we do the correlation stuff. We get the alerts of the user before we get the phone call that says something's going on on you know IP address 1234. So I could say in this in this area that um, Humio is an ideal tool for the users who who either do understand or want to understand the locks, right? Uh, yep. So if you already understand them, you can you can build that function that says, is this interesting? Is this, is this an incident? So that flexibility is, is very fundamental. Yep. And of course, you know, we can help you out with that if you're uh, if you're a Humio customer and you want some help. <laughs> Please reach out to us. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the, that's the cheat sheet you've been working on, right? Or, yeah. Uh, okay. That's right. We're going to we're going to talk about that here in a minute. And and yeah, it's it's also important, right? When I trigger an alert at home, like when I uh, when I remote into one of my PCs off my iPad or whatever, uh, which is not a filtered out item because I want to see when odd things connect RDP to my environment. Gee, novel concept. I get an immediate alert. I don't have to wait for that thirty minutes or whenever I scheduled it. It it sees that event occurring and I immediately get a trigger. I mean, it's amazing how fast that that comes in, which is really useful for security people. Not ha you know, right? If you, if it's, if you got an alert going off at, at noon hour or, you know, the o'clock hour and the incident triggers at 01, you've got to wait 
59 minutes before that alert triggers if it's on a, on the hour. And so that's a, that's a big advantage here I think you guys have, which I really like when it goes off. I'm like, dang, that was really fast. So if I'm triggering a bunch of, you know, PowerShell exploitation, um, you know, all of a sudden, bloop, 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 you know, like, whoa, okay. I don't have to wait 15 minutes or an hour. Right. And that goes to what, what Kristen, you were saying earlier about if, if you have alerts going up now, Michael, you ran into this where you had uh, like 120 different alerts going off on the hour yeah, and it was hosing the database. And so you were asked to spread that out. Okay. Do it every 15 minutes, you know, and, and those queries were going on constantly. And you add that to some of the other queries that are going on or alerts that other people in the organization of, you know, thousands of people uh, set up, that database was going off all the time. Now this streaming sort of a AWS Kinesis type look at the data as it's coming into the system works pretty well when you want the, when you're, when you're talking about, Hey, I want to get to this as soon as possible. If alert goes off, I don't want to wait the average of 30 minutes to, to get the alert. Tell me now, and and maybe when it, when you save minutes, it might save hours in the long run if it is a, a real incident. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because imagine, you know, right? Malware is going to do a bunch of things. There's probably, uh, depending on whether you have you know Sysmon or or WS or LogMD all you know added to the the Windows logs collecting stuff, you will have a spike of all these things triggering very quickly and not having to wait for them. That spike is going to be unusual. You're like, hey, wait a minute, why all of a sudden did I get six email alerts? Uh, whereas normally you get one here, one there, uh, and the quantity will definitely paint you a picture for sure. Question for you. What did you guys, uh, and maybe this is a two-part question for what Peter's trying to solve, but you know, what did you guys, what was the gap or the thing, uh, the gap that you're trying to fill or the problem you were trying to solve with Humio? What did you, what did you guys initially build this for? And uh, what did you find? What, what was the growth there that, uh, that you found uh, useful. I mean, obviously I'm finding it to be a very powerful security tool. Well, yeah, we, um, as I, as I said earlier, mentioned earlier, we, we initially built this as an application monitoring tool. So after that, we kind of stumbled into the, the security space. Well, the, the, the main insight really was that we realized, you know, the huge uh, value it has to be able to uh, use locks for monitoring and for incident response in, in application development. And we wanted to be able to essentially democratize that. That sounds kind of grand, but make something simple that everybody can afford to use that uh, could really teach, show people how, how this works and make it, um, make, make it easy for everybody to get started doing it. And in, in that context, there's a, there's a couple of different things. We, um, there's the price, of course, being able to keep the price down, uh, both for you would have to pay us, but also in terms of how much hardware you have to throw at it. And we did a lot of work. You know, as I said, we a spin off of a kind of bespoke software shop. So we did a lot of work in finance and in healthcare. And in those areas, definitely uh, cloud logging is not an option. There, there are so many various security requirements, uh, privacy, etc., that it's only an option to run an on-prem uh, solution. And that's uh, that's turned into being uh, you could say our our main market actually is providing these on-prem solutions to relatively large organizations. It's also important for us to um, to run it ourselves because that those users are sitting behind you know firewalls or lockdown systems or you know, all kinds of security things. So it's really difficult you know to go and do support and stuff. So it's really important for us to also run it ourselves. 
And that's, um, like I say, we sell exactly the same thing as we run ourselves in our cloud. There, there's a couple of different editions that you can get on-prem, uh, either the normal pro on-prem or uh, we have customers running the full multi-tenant system also, where they, they host it to other parties, typically inside their organization. Oh, so they so they can split up and say, here, application team A, you've got an instance, security team, you've got an instance, network team, you've got an instance. Basically run the same internal cloud system. Design, yeah, set quotas for them, et cetera, and do user management uh, on individual groups, et cetera. But it's, I, it, it's not to diminish uh, the, the, the cloud offering we have uh, because it's, it's super important and it continues to grow. We get more and more users every day. Um, but... Um, but most of the money is really in, in these large uh, enterprise on-prem. Well, I think another advantage of your cloud solution for you guys is for us using the cloud solution, you can see what we're doing, right? And I know you've helped me craft some very complex queries uh, that are making it into the cheat sheet right. that we're going to talk about right. in a second. And, and so there's an advantage to you guys being able to see us users and the kinds of things we're doing to also help you improve the product. You have a Slack channel, right? The Meet Whomio Slack channel, which I would encourage everybody to use if they're doing it and ask questions. Yeah, this this feedback you get from that cloud presence is going to help you improve the product and allow this this uh, you know exposure to people like us and, and the listeners on this podcast to use something mm-hmm. that generally they haven't had access to before. And I think that's a big win, big win for you guys. Very much so. So that's so we talked about maybe talking about because there is this then there is this privacy as, as soon as you say this I'm looking over your shoulder helping you uh, with the solution then there's also of course the question of well can we always just look over our shoulder and of course ultimately from a technical point of view we can yes we actually so that's part of that how we deal with that is internal policies and then audit logging so there is actually so Humio provides an audit log that where you can see you can go in and see yes that's where Creston went and looked at my data and this is where he gave himself. He assigned himself the rights to do so. Uh, and you can see when I removed my rights again. Um, so everybody has an audit log. They can go see exactly what happens. And that's part of, uh, we actually built this as part of the um, GDPR uh, feature set that, we, that we've been building over the last uh, six months or so. It's hardened audit log that lets people see exactly who's been accessing their data. Because part of the requirements in, that, in the space in Europe is also that you can audit the logs, the audit logs. So every once in a while, you have to go in and look in your audit logs and see, did anyone access this data they were not supposed to? Uh, and because we also audit those kinds of queries, you can see, yes, uh, later on, the auditor comes by, you can see here, six months ago, five months ago, four months ago, three months ago, I went and looked uh, in my audit log to check that nobody right. had illegal access. So so that's part of, um, as part of a, it's a, a big solution that, that you have to add together to be able to provide that kind of support also in a way that the customers feel comfortable. So um, I, I didn't quite catch that. Explain how GDPR changed y- your solution a little bit and what you had to do. Is it that every query that I make is logged somewhere so that I can go back later and say, okay, Bob, ran this query and he had access to this particular data or is it that you as the vendor were looking at this particular stuff well every time somebody runs a query yes we store that query who did it where they came from just like a web log right 
just like every time typically people access a web server, there's, uh, there's an access lock uh, somewhere. And then this is stored in a form where it, it's tamper-proof. So you can't go back and change it. We can't go back and change it. And even um, and it can't even be deleted by, by the normal operators of the system. Of course, there's somebody with root access on these machines who can go and delete the disks, ultimately at the bottom of that. But we really took great care in both policy and in technology to, to build audit lock of that. So that's one uh, of the key things we built in terms of the, the software. Much of the rest is, is policies and processes around it. So from, um, from a GDPR perspective, as a, as a user of Humio, as an outside user of Humio, there, there's really two things to be concerned with. One is what do we know and store about the actions that people do? That, say people like you who log into Humio and operate it, on it. And then the other part is the data that you put in, which could be about other people, right? Uh, so it could be PII information about where uh, other people, and that's your responsibility, of course. Of course, we have then policies and technology in place to make sure we delete data and et cetera, as we go along the retention policies, being able to control control deletion and editing and that kind of stuff. But yes, there's, there's th those two aspects of GDPR is PII information about operators and PII information that you might, might happen to end up in the lock about, you know, it might be your wife who's uh, using her desktop PC and, and whatever ends up in those locks, you might ship that to Humio. We can't be responsible for what you happen to put there. Uh, to the extent we're responsible is we show the information. You can so that's a like self-service, entire self-service uh, interface. What you can do with it, delete it, search it, see if you have information. Uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I've gotten this. One of the recommendations we make in the Windows logging cheat sheet is to turn on command line logging. Now, some people say there's a fear of collecting passwords. Quite frankly, I'd want to know if you're putting passwords into the logs in the course of the command line entry because that means you're hard coding the password in a file and or script and that's a bad thing. And there's easy ways to remediate that, right? You can pipe a file that contains the password into a script. There, there's lots of options there. And you should discover these if you do have them. But I can tell you from being doing logging since all the way back in HP, so you know, 15 plus years, uh, this is something I just generally don't come across very often. I'll come across it being accidentally typed into the username field, which then gets logged. But for the most part, we rotate our passwords. It's not that big a concern. If it's in the scripts, it's remediatable, right? You can you can remediate it and fix the issue why. But generally, there's not data in the logs I've considered to be, you know, incredibly PII related. Now, I do know cases where application developers have written stuff where accidentally the, you know, entry, the data entry got shoved into a log either in a troubleshooting and or level seven kind of logging thing where you're doing debugging. But for the most part, that's again, a design item. If you just, if you detect it, you can filter that out, fix it. So it doesn't go into the logs. And in the course of you, you using the logs, you'll see that. And you know, what's running on the system, how it's executing, you know, the Bob logged in, you know, so what, uh, that, that sort of stuff is not something I'm super critical of. Now, granted, I don't want the hackers having this cause they can completely baseline my environment or anybody's environment, it's probably not as much PII as probably people think. And a lot of the data and logs is really like, what is this? It's great that GDPR had you guys alter the product to do these kinds of audit checks and everything else, but it is the end user's responsibility to tweak their win log YAML files in this case, or hopefully you guys will support NX log here 
maybe with the on-prem. Don't be too afraid of what you're sending in the logs um, until you start using them and see it, because I think you'll find, wow, there's really not a lot of PII-type data in here. Yeah, good, good info on that. Uh, just wanted to cover that since GDPR is all the rage at the moment. Oh, that's one of the, yeah. One of the interesting things about GDPR is it doesn't say very much about what PII is. I mean, that's very much a policy and a contextual question. Depends on who it is, who is using it. And so it's a, there, there's not really a lot of guidance on that. All right, Brian, take us on to the next one. All right. We've got, uh, as Michael mentioned, uh, we've got a new cheat sheet here, right? And, and by the time this thing airs, uh, you guys will probably finish up the last query, right? Yeah, the last query I think is done and working, and so I just have to populate it and resize some stuff. It's pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we have introducing the new Windows Humio logging cheat sheet. It'll be at the same place all the others are, malwarearchaeology.com slash cheat dash sheets. And it will have 11, it was 10, I added uh, clearing the logs as an item that people should always monitor for. The bad guys go in there and clear the logs, or admins are clearing the logs. Uh, you might want to detect that. So I added an 11th item with the clearing of the logs. But it is kind of the top 10 of things to do and start with Humio. We've got process create, monitoring of admin utilities with account trigger. That's the last thing that Creston had helped me out with. And uh, this is the place to start in regards to how to use Humio. And so we'll be releasing this cheat sheet this weekend after I tweaked that last uh, bit of the query and releasing that for version 1.0 as a part of releasing this podcast. So take a look for that, and uh, and that that's kind of cool and new. So now Humio has something that they can use as a base for people on the security side mm -hmm. to play with, and obviously we can promote it as well. And now that they're sponsors, we love me more. So it <laughs> will have been published yeah. now, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. It will, that, that's true, because this will be, <laughs> I guess, Tuesday. Yeah. Your participle uh, we're talking about. Okay, there there are a lot of takeaways to this episode, and and let's let's do a review for what we think everybody should get out of it. Right, our goal, right, a goal that I want everybody. There's kind of five things. I want you to go get LogMD. Uh, you know, there was a free version as well as there's a professional. Please buy the professional. Help support our podcast. But you want to audit your system. Where am I at? So that you know you can start collecting the right things. You're then going to go get the Windows logging sheet sheet, and you're going to set those things. And if you're not in a GPO enterprise environment, which most of us at home are not, or small businesses with, with Windows Pro or less, you're going to manually configure these with W Event Util or through the local security policy and, and manually set those per the Windows Logging Cheat Sheet. You're going to uh, go sign yourself up a Humio account. We want you to definitely play with this. You're going to go download WinLog Beat. You're going to go to malwarearchaeology.com to the logging resources, find the sample WinLog Beat, put your Humio license uh, login there and you're going to collect all the things and then you're going to use Humio and you'll populate it with the queries that are in the Windows Humio logging cheat sheet and you'll see the power of what it can do for you um, and then you'll be playing you'll do the tuning through the WinLog beat agent you'll you'll tune it add some exclusions there's some great examples in there of how to do that there's some ands and ors conditions and you can uh, filter down the, what you consider normal noise, and then and then test it. You know, uh, I use uh, Putty as my fake malware, and I'll launch Putty at various places in the user directory structure to make sure it's collecting that. And you'll get an alert if you set up an alert for process execution under C users. Everybody should do that, and uh, you'll see Humio at its power uh, monitoring your environment. So that is kind of the takeaways for this, and you understand that Humio has both cloud. 
uh, free and paid, as well as an, two types of on-prem solutions for the professional users, as well as the multi-user scenarios. And uh, I should mention that Humio does do proper regular expressions. I mean, that's been a sticking point for, for some of these solutions, if they do them at all. It's kind of uh, out there. Right. Yeah, you follow the Google's regex too, right? The RE2. Uh, That's true. Standard. Yeah. All right, uh, Peter. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Uh, what do you see being requested and/or looked at by your clients? Uh, yeah, just a quick one, really. Um, going back to something we were talking about earlier, is what we are seeing now, which we'd we'd expect end users to see in the next couple of months, is. Managed service providers taking Humio and going back to something you mentioned, uh, Michael, uh, building very specific query reporting alerting uh, type uh, tool sets for customers who just want to have a better view, for example, of firewall logs uh, or just want to have a better view of their Windows endpoints. So where this is good news, it's good news for Humio, but it's good news for users because it will deliver us a sort of low low cost low volume point of entry for SMB customers right they don't need they won't need to be big to get the benefit of this i'm i'm sure we're going to see this very soon in the uk and in this region with humio inside uh, a kind of a service of the kind that i've describe, um, you know as i say firewalls winsec that kind of thing so uh, that's exciting and uh, something to look out for. Yeah, there's a lot. And obviously, uh, there's something to point out in regards to ingesting these um, interesting log types. With LogMD, for example, when you consume LogMD into Humio, you have to use file mm -hmm. uh, beats. And then you have to create a parser. And so any of the odd logs you might have, you will have to create a regex parser to interpret the data and give it assign it field names and whatnot. But uh, we created a few of those. They're not, they're not hard. But yeah, there's a lot of power, like the firewall logs. That's something Brian and I do frequently. We'll investigate malware. We'll see the IP addresses they phone home to. And then we'll ask the firewall logs, anybody else visit these IPs? And, and uh, you know, we occasionally get a hit where, you know, somebody's in a remote office or whatnot, and they too visited the location. And now, you know, we have an idea. So firewall logs are, are huge benefits to organizations to watch this kind of thing or be able to query it. Exactly. Uh, DNS text records or the quantity of traffic going to foreign IPs, right? Doing geolocation lookups right. and things like that. Uh, a recent feature. A feature you guys have implemented. Yeah. That, Thank you uh, for that. I might have, uh, <laughs> I might have influenced. <laughs> okay. So, so this is another benefit, right? We're actually influence, helping to influence the product and, and reiterate things there. We should probably do this. And then, you know, we chime in and say, yeah, you should probably do that. Right. So, uh, users can have an impact to the to the solution and improve it, Indeed. Um, which is a good yeah. thing for them. I mean, Kristen's Kristen's and his team are seeing that every every week. I mean, it sounds corny, but it's true. That's what's happening, uh, right, Kristen? Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure I'll keep him busy for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Once this cheat sheets out, there'll be a tweak here and a tweak right. there and a question here and there. But I I think the bulk's done. Well, it's clear. Every every new user has a different different view of things and different ways of. Um, different problems, maybe different yep. kinds of data. So a lot of what we do in that regard is, of course, help them use the system. And, you know, often there is something that could simplify a query yeah. quite a bit, uh, but we could do quite simple. And you might you know, find that with the cheat sheet, right? The other thing that the cheat sheet is going to be good for is um, it has a wide variety. And I know Peter and Kristen can, can chime in on my email to them about this. There are a series of types of things you do 
of which this complicated query that uh, I was referring to earlier about counting how many uh, administrative utilities. The samples in the queries that are in the cheat sheet are really powerful because it kind of is a wide variety of the types of queries you would want to use. And so there's a, it's kind of a reference list. Not only here's, here's the query, like I, I want to rename the the JSON field names into short names. So my width of my tables are, are narrower because some of these JSON names are really long and the value is only a one or three or a five or a 10. And so I want to make those short, right? So I've, I've got a lot of those examples where I rename the field names. I rename uh, the data from like login type three is a network login. So I, I replace a three with a network. Uh, we do some counting and lots of things like that. So the samples are in there in the cheat sheet, which are really good. And I suspect as as they develop stuff, they'll send me and say, hey, we got a more more easier way to do this. We'll update the cheat sheet on those and, and whatnot. But um, a good reference for everybody on the on the podcast to listen to that's listening to this to go out and get and play with. Um, but those are our takeaways. And uh, we do appreciate you guys sponsoring the podcast. We look forward to uh, working with you some more and, and promoting this. And uh, I, I'm, I have to say... I'm real critical about security solutions, and I'm loving this one. <laughs> we like to hear. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. I guess that's a wrap. All right. All right. So, yeah, check out humio.com. Uh, they, they do have a Slack channel, and, and I've, I've used it, asked some questions, and Michael's used it pretty extensively uh, to interface with uh, the leadership over there at Humio. And, uh, Thanks for that, and thanks for uh, you know sort of tweaking the product to help uh, the security industry with their problems that they have on finding a good log management solution. This seems like it has a whole lot of potential, and the the nice thing I like about it is uh, one of the nice things is it's it's free to use and download and use for yourself, and kind of get to know and tweak and do experiments on your own lab and and see what you see in log management, not only for, you know, getting to know log management, but also getting to know your systems, your environment and, uh, testing things out so that you can take that from your personal environment into your, uh, enterprise environment. Yep. And if you want to get a hold of them, just go to the humio.com website and contact them through the, the webpage. Uh, Peter services the EMEA clients. Uh, and I think Jason here in the U S that's true. Yeah. But you can reach them through the website. And, of course, they've got the Meet Humio Slack channel. Uh, user, please sign up for that. And, of course, the BDS Slack channel is where we <laughs> found out about Humio. And we have lots of channels in there to discuss that we uh, give feedback on and and promote. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, the sim, sim and logging channel will probably get some more questions after listeners listen to this. <laughs> but uh, hopefully they'll start using it and playing with it and giving us some feedback and giving you feedback. And we'll see where we can go with this. All right. So if you want to get a hold of Michael, you can reach him on Twitter at Hacker Hurricane. I'm on Twitter as well at Betterpwned, B-O-E-T-T-C-H-E-R-P-W-N-E-D. Hit me up on the DM or anything like that. And uh, episode four of Breaking Down Incident Response. That's a wrap. See you next month. Thanks, Peter. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Very good. Bye-bye. Take care. Have a good one.